Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi. Uh, my, my name's Jack. It's very nice to meet you on the radio here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Allison. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you very much for tuning into our podcast. Tuning in to the script shop where we talk to screenwriters about the things that they love. Love it. Yes. Thank you. Thank, yes, great. this is script shop where we talk to writers about what they love and why they put it on paper. Gosh darn it. Or a computer screen or uh, however the mode of communication it is. Uh, they're going Pigeons. with it. We've had send them by pigeons, writing it on pigeons, (laughs) stretching the wing out, and just like scene one, interior (laughs) nest. Perhaps, maybe. If someone needed to do that, I would definitely want to talk to them about it. Here's the thing: you're listening to Jack and Allison, and this is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts and what their scripts mean to them, and where these stories came from, and why why they had to get it out of them and make it into a into put it into script form. Why they're the only person in the whole world that could have possibly written this story. Yeah. We love talking to writers, so if you know any writers, or if you're a writer yourself and you want to get your story out into the world, you can do that in part by sending it to us at scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Absolutely. Our guest uh, for this week's show, for today's show, is Nick Westfall, who wrote a script called Philia. Philia is a five-page existential interrogation short. And we're going to read the whole thing on the show today, so stay tuned for riveting performances by Jack and myself. Yes, and and by Nick, who's going to be nice enough to help us out. Because Frank, we are Frankless. I know. Where are you, Frank? Frank, does Frank Making listen to money. it when we say that he's, he's not here? He says he does. He says he does. Why don't we start planting things in to see if he does? We should, yeah. We like should, right now. Like a code word. Okay, Frank, if you're listening, yeah. you need to just walk up to us, Jack and Allison, and at put the your same hand, time. And put your yes. hand on our shoulder. Yep, and say... Purple cow. Okay. <laughs> we both have to be together. Yep. But you can only touch one shoulder. Yep. And you have to say it without laughing. Yep. Purple cow. Yep. And that's how we know that you're actually listening to Sing the show. Sing with the in utmost way. seriousness. Okay, Frank. Secret message. It's all on you now, brah. And folks, that that is a message specifically for Frank. Don't ruin it. Don't do, yeah. Don't tell Frank that this is happening. Right. Don't at him. Don't Instagram message him and say, "Oh my God, Frank, here I am in your DMs. I got to tell you this thing." <laughs> don't slide into Frank's DMs. <laughs> don't do that. I kind of would. I kind of wish people would though. Wouldn't it be fun? To have a whole show based around Frank having to deal with DMs. Yes, that's that'd be that's a script that I'd like to read. Mm-hmm. Speaking of DMs, if you are on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, you can follow us on those uh, various uh, accounts and uh, keep up on when we're releasing shows and when we're doing promos for stuff and when we're maybe we're just sitting around watching a movie or out uh, doing Being a little fun thing. Together. Yeah, because we are friends. Because we we're in out. friends. We're in friends. We're in Cincinnati. We're yeah. friends in Cincinnati, and we love doing things together. Uh, also, if you uh, if you like the show and maybe would like to support us on a financial level, uh, and the, by that I mean financial level, uh, you can do that. We're crushing it right now. Things are going really well. And why wouldn't you <laughs> want to give us money for this? Uh, Patreon.com is how you can do that. Look up Script Shop Show on Patreon. And uh, seriously, even the, the smallest amount would be uh, incredible. The fact that would you would want helpful. to give money to us for what we do is 
uh, an amazing proposition. And the fact that we do have a few people that do do it now is fantastic. And thank you to all of you out there and to anyone who's even considering it. That's even cool, too, honestly. Thank you guys so much. So. Yeah, we should talk to Nick. Let's jump into the screenplay here. Because Nick's, like, maybe getting a little bit into character because he's going to be helping us out a little bit in the reading. Uh, hi, is this Nick Westfall? Hey, it is Nick Westfall. Where's Frank? Oh, exactly. my gosh. That's, that's the question. You know, the real answer is that nobody really ever knows. Like, Frank says he's out doing a, a shoot somewhere. It's entirely possible he's in here in that cabinet over there right now. We just don't know it. We just don't actually – nobody never knows where Frank is. Yeah, right. And he, he Frank's one of those people that's nowhere and everywhere at all at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we're sorry that you're you're getting a Frankless show. Yeah. Uh, we feel your pain is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, no problem. So, but- Nick, you're calling us from Santa Monica, California. I love the beach. I love sunshine. Mm-hmm. We don't get tons of that here in Cincinnati. Um, what's everything going like for you in Santa Monica right now? Uh, it's great. Uh, today it actually rained uh, for the first <gasps> time in a Gasp. couple weeks. And, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, you know, it's always beautiful here. So did you grow up in Santa Monica? No, I grew up in uh, North Carolina, actually, and uh, in Greensboro. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was it work then or school that, that took you out to the West Coast? Or love. Or, yeah, or hate. <laughs> or hate. Yeah, you could say uh, work and love, I guess. Uh, oh. My wife got a, a great job oh. here at a sports club called Equinox, and uh, we uh, packed our bags and uh, moved over here. Mm. How long ago was that? That was, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, August of last year, 2018. Okay, so relatively recently. How have you? I mean, have you been enjoying it? How have you it? adjusted? Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's it's great. Um, now I'm on the west end, so I'm on the opposite end of traffic. Uh, when I go into uh, work, uh, at the high school, and uh, it's great. You know, before we were living in Silver Lake, and it was about an hour and a half, uh, to get home, uh, every evening, which was tough. Yeah. So no, yeah. were were you writing? You you've been writing before you just moved out there, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, writing. Uh, I took a master's degree program at Full Sail University in 2012. Yeah. Uh, find, yeah. And my first movie, Finding Home, was my uh, thesis script uh, back then. And um, yeah, so I've been I've been writing since then, and I was a professional screenwriter uh, for three and a half years before I got back into teaching to focus just on my own writing rather than screenplay adaptations. Mm. Okay. This is kind of interesting though, because it's like your wife got a job in California, but it just kind of worked out that that's what you wanted to do as well. Anyway, is, is this part of the master plan of your family and your life and how you go about doing things? Or were you like, Oh, actually I'm a screenwriter. I'm moving to LA now. Bazinga. (laughs) I'm saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, uh, in due to my limited research, uh, it, it is, uh, it occurred to me that I was the only screenwriting and directing PE teacher on the planet. <laughs> and I thought that I would use that, uh, for, uh, to my advantage. And, um, I just happened to actually love both of those things, uh, equally. Um, if not, I, I, you know, I actually enjoy, uh, you know, all aspects of teaching, whereas filmmaking, of course, the fundraising part is the uh, the crappy part, and I don't see any uh, crappy parts in uh, in teaching. So I've had both passions drive uh, 
my life uh, career-wise. And it kind of balances out that like you can do PE teaching in the daytime and that leaves you free to kind of work on your own creative stuff and all the other times that you could squeeze it in. Yeah, yeah, except for the reverse of that. Usually it's uh, my 4 a.m. wake-up time uh, that I do my creative work. Oh. Uh, it's when I, when I can give uh, – it's a, it sounds selfish, but it's been my uh, career philosophy to that no one else gets 100% of me except for me. Uh, so I wake up and, uh, pride, you know, do my screenwriting in the morning and, um, and then I go to work at 4am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That sounds, that sounds intimidating to me. Was that sort of routine that you had to really make an, is it the sort of thing where it, now it is routine and you're used to it or is it still a thing where like, okay, here I go. You have to make an effort when that I'm alarm goes off up. every morning. Yeah, you know, I think um, uh, when, especially when I started getting paid to screenwrite, it was like it became a thing where it was I there's no such thing as waiting for inspiration. You hear about people that do that and they have to have the perfect setting, the, the right amount of coffee and, and a little bit of lightning striking in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, and you, st- you slowly start to realize that it's really the work that that you find inspiration while doing it, you know, as many, all of this stuff is, uh, the, the cliches end up being true. Um, that inspiration does find you while you're hard at work. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you love something and you love the craft of it, uh, you, you do it every day. And, um, it's actually how this script came about too. Cause it, I, I haven't, I, I've never really, I've never done a, a short film. Uh, and I thought this would be sort of fun, um, exercise to do. So, so how did that happen? You said this is how this this story came about in particular. What do you mean? Yeah, um, well, I, I'm also uh, <laughs> I, lo- I really love writing, and I, uh, you know, I, I was writing a book. Um, I've been writing it for ages uh, since uh, 2013, I think. And um, you know, and, and this is just this is actually one of the, this is the first scene in the. Um, in the book, uh, you know, of course not the ending, but, uh, it's, it's sort of uh, encapsulates kind of what I was, you know, trying to do, um, with the book. So when we read it later, it'll make sense, but, um, yeah. And so it just came about uh, in a way uh, I was like, I've never adapted something I've, I've written myself. And I thought that'd be, uh, sort of fun, uh, to do it in a medium I haven't done before. So when you talk about how you you love writing and it's a big it's something that matters to you and you're waking up early in the morning to do that how how much of that is like standard book novel prose type stuff versus writing screenplays? Yeah, you know, I it's it, it's it's almost all screenplays now. Okay. Uh, a fun little fact about six years ago, I I thought actors made up their own words. I had no idea that <laughs> there was a screenwriter behind it and. I, it, mm-hmm. But I loved writing, so I was writing novels at the time. And my grandparents actually sent me a book um, called Save the Cat, which is like a big, I'm sure you guys know it, um, like a big uh, screenwriting you know, tips book. And uh, they sent it to me because they thought they had a great chapter on character creations uh, and you know, whatever. And they thought it would help my novel writing. And that's how I actually uh, stumbled upon screenwriting and when I realized that it was a shorter, uh, that there was more white space on the page and the end result is that you get to mold it and create it with other people. Yeah. Mm. I was like, man, this is, uh, mm-hmm. this is like my medium. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like to do a million things all at the same times. And this is 
like a perfect way to do it. Yeah, you know, something sort of lonely when you when you write mm. a book because it's that's it. You know, it's that uh, once it's in a in the book form, that's it. You can't change it. There's nothing. You know, there's nothing living that, out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and what I what I love is that you know when when you when you really get to see the magic of actors, the magic behind you know an actor's craft, and really uh, makes the black and white you know um, words you know something totally different and. Um, yeah, so that, so yes, so to answer your question in a really long roundabout <laughs> way, uh, screenwriting is pretty much all, uh, the writing I do, um, at the moment. Do you, the, the, I, I don't, this, I don't mean for this to sound challenging in any way, but you mentioned earlier how nobody gets a hundred percent of you, but you, and then you're talking about the differences between writing a book versus the mm. collaborative effort of filmmaking and how book writing is, is more of a solitary experience. Does it, and, but it's, but from what you just described, working on a screenplay you and like filmmaking, the, the, yeah, the collaborative process of that means that maybe it's not just a hundred percent of you, but for just you. Yeah, well, you know, there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, nobody, you, nobody sits down to to write a book or a screenplay that doesn't like to actually be alone and and expressing their thoughts and emotions, and and passion onto the page. You know, it's just uh, once I have it, it's like it's if it it's like I've I've written a book, and I can't wait to see how someone else interprets it, uh, or or the actors interpret it, and how I can interpret it with the, with the camera and, and show it. Um, it's, it, it's just knowing that it's going to turn it and morph into something else. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. And I actually had a, um, my new movie, eight slices is, is on the festival circuit and then I didn't go, but an actor who hadn't seen it yet went and he said he read this script again before he, uh, saw the movie and I was like, I, you know, I've never read the scripts after I'm done with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, it, it becomes its own, uh, medium, uh, its own medium yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's just because things you see on the, the script that, you, you know, uh, entering the scene late and exiting early and, um, you know, things that when you get into the editing room, um, you know, that's the cliche, like third stage of writing. Right. And, yeah. So, and that's a whole nother medium as well, because in the editing room, a movie, you know, completely changes right. um, again. So, well, tell us um, about Philia. Where did Philia come from for you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So it came from the book and, and I really, uh, in the book's idea, the nugget that I took from my life was I woke up literally thinking that I found the most profound truth to in, in all of the world and the universe and to the purpose and meaning of life and all of that. And I scrambled to get a pen and paper. And when I actually wrote it down, it said, my left hand has always been my right. Yeah. And oh, wow. I, and then I realized like, wow, like this, this was so meaningful <laughs> to me in my dream. And it's absolutely, you know, hogwash right I'm now. sorry. And I'm sorry. I'm laughing so hard. That's so good. That's just like what dreams are. You're like, I had this incredible dream. Yeah. Here's what happened. Yeah. You lay it out for someone and they're like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, but it, but it's something really in, intoxicating about having those kind of thoughts, right? Like where the yes. whole world melts away and you've just got to get it down. And so yeah. that was one of those. That's just one of those things that I, I use, even though obviously – 
it may be some profound truth for some uh, weird person out there, but it, it, it wasn't for me. Uh, but I used that situation and uh, the feelings I had uh, and, um, you know, try to develop its meaning from there. Why don't we just go ahead and read this? Because we're going to get into tons of questions about it. And yeah. We might as well lay it out for all of our listeners while we're at it. What do you think? Everybody good? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, listeners, if you're tuning in today, we're going to read the whole script, Philia, written by Nick Westfall, based on his novel. Today, Nick will be doing all of our stage directions. I'm going to be playing the doctor, and Jack is going to be reading for Bart. And this is, yeah, this is the very start. Of, this is, uh, it, it, it's the very start of the novel, too. So, I mean, you're, 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 you're getting a perfect setup here. Cold open. Yeah. There you go. All right. <laughs> so, Nick, whenever cool. you're ready, take it away. Sure, and you want me to read the slug lines, I guess? Please, please do. All right, perfect. All right. Interior deposition room day. VHS camera in the top left corner of the room. Doctor is never seen. In front of us is Bartholomew Chester, 29. Thank you for waiting, Mr. Chester. (laughs) People are always thanking me for my patience. Makes me think I might be missing something. Do you understand why you're here? Not really, but if I could go back in time, I'd tell my parents to put a condom on. A B. That was like... 25% 25% joke. For the recording, please provide basic information about yourself. <sighs> uh, my name is Bartholomew Frederick Chester, 5'10", and if you think time exists, I'm 29 years old. Do you consider yourself a happy person? I've been a non-smoker for 10 minutes now, a vegetarian for three hours, and most of my thoughts and all of my actions have been heterosexual up to this point. Do I consider myself a happy person? Golly, I'm perspiring a good bit, if that's what you're asking. Bart lifts his handcuffed hands from underneath the table to scratch his nose. You might even say doing this sort of thing with this kind of lighting could make a sane man crazy. I'm like you guys. I'm about this good all the time. So our reports say you've been writing. Would you like to talk about that? Well... Friendship is born the moment one realizes there's another one out there just like them that feels the same way, that thinks and experiences the world, or at least a portion of it, the same way I do. That this account of my thoughts could be a stumbling, clumsy way of sharing with you what it's like to be alive in this moment in time. That you are a whole and a part of something beautiful or dreadful. How this mind of ours is an excellent servant, but a terrible, terrible master. If your brother were here, do you think that he would... Like, if I could write something existential that turned into a 40,000-word strip of Velcro that kept people from leaving the planet, that, that maybe, given the extra time it takes to remove Velcro, everyone might be able to find something worth staying for. A beat. You should know that one morning I woke up discovering something so profound that I jumped out of myself. Half awake, I I scrambled for a pen and scribbled away. Do you want to know what my profound thought was? Sure. My left hand has always been my right. This should give you a sense of my capacity to unravel grandiose philosophical breakthroughs. Do you know someone commits suicide every 40 seconds? Every single 40 seconds. How often do you think about what happens every 40 seconds, Mr. Chester? That death and suicide have become... It's more of a private, creepy fascination that 
the meaning of life may be all the things that prevent you from ending it. If your brother were still here, what would you say to him? But he's not. If you could, what would you say? I don't, I, I don't know that I'd say anything. I mean, I'd put Velcro on his shoes if that's what you're asking. I noticed a change in your posture. Are you feeling fatigued? Man, kind of wish you didn't tell me that. Why? Now I'm going to focus on my physical responses. I'm having enough trouble with the verbal ones. Are you hearing voices in your head right now? Yours and mine. Who are you, Mr. Chester? What makes me the same person I was before I came into this room? I, I can't just be the psychological continuation of who I was five minutes ago. Exterior antique shop day. These shots interrupt and intercut the monologue. Bart stands outside of an antique shop, rock focused to the pristine dishes inside to his reflection in the window. I'm somewhere else trying to recognize my own insanity like most people. Right now, I'm in front of an antique store, looking inside, like deeply inside. If I look deep enough, all I see are dishes in pristinely fragile conditions, but they're beautiful and free. And if I look at the shallow reflection of the store window, I see that my left hand has always been my right. Interior deposition room day. Bart looks down at his handcuffs. They disappear. He looks at the table. It gets yanked away. His body pushed back. Exterior, antique shop day. Rack from the dishes to the reflection of Bart. He opens and closes his hands. Leaves. Everyone's looking for themselves inside of mirrors. Fade out. Boom. There we go, folks. That was great. Mm-hmm. That's a that there's so like I mean there's first, a lot for, from mm. from just a purely and when I say acting perspective just I say this as the person that was reading those lines just now there's I think there's so much to work with if you're an actor yeah. doing that scene holy cow Nick I've I've got a million questions and we try not to go as broad with this in the beginning but <laughs> where, jump in where yeah. this where where does this coming from for you other than the the dream that you talked about with the left and the right. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it started with that dream, right? And then I, I, you know, I tried to create the meaning of it. And and, and it's also, too, like, it, it's a semantics game, right? Like, it, it, uh, or I think it's Wittgenstein that said that it's like the, the limits of my language mean the limits of my world. And, mm-hmm. and we have to have words to describe things. And But there's some things about consciousness and, and life that I find uh, words are kind of really only signposts. They can't really capture the the bliss of you know being in the present moment and meditating and um they can't capture i can say that the i can describe how the world fades away when i'm writing and i'm in the moment there's like and i forget to eat and i for you know i forget about you know everything else around me and i'm fully focused on making whatever i'm creating but there's not really a word for those things and yeah. i thought that you know my trying to make some sense uh, and trying to validate <laughs> my uh, my dream of my left hand being my right, being some profound statement, um, you know, with with the book and, and this and also this short film as well. Well, practically, you know, fill us in on what's going on here. We have somebody, yeah. we have a doctor, not a cop, who's interrogating a man who's asking him about his mental state. So you think that maybe psychologically this person is in a mental hospital there's questions about his brother and suicide. He's in handcuffs. He's in handcuffs as well. 
potentially suffering from a personal tragedy. And I just want to know practically what has happened that has arrived us here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's something that's that's better for uh, two different points of view. I think if it, if an actor told me that, I would ask them uh, as a director. I would ask them what what do they think? Because usually, what they think is much better than what I think. And for the audience in this particular case, I think it's it's more of a it's better in ambiguity um, than if I were to lay it out. So I. Uh, if I can use that as a cop out, it's uh, it's a really nice cop out, but it's so unsatisfying because yeah. the whole script is so <laughs> metaphorical. Good. You know, yeah. what, what we're trying to do is figure out like why, what what are the plot points here? What are the beats that are happening? What is what is making somebody behave the way that they are? Maybe you are trying to justify my my hands have always been the same thing, but this character isn't. You know what what's he doing here? Yeah, uh, well, I, that that's an easier question I can uh, I can take. Um, in uh, I think Bartholomew's really, um, you know, investigating himself, and you know, and the, this um, doctor, you know, might just be that that voice in our head uh, that that when we do investigate, it's like, you know, when when you're you're you've lost your keys and and you say out loud or you say in your head where did i put my keys like who are you talking to when you say that <laughs> yes. you know what i mean okay yep and so uh, the way i see it, it's more if i if i look at to who i really am uh i am just the awareness of the many thoughts that just come along the bottom mm-hmm. line this you is know, cool in my mind yeah and i get it sorry this is getting really really deep and no this i get is it also i'm right here with out. you Welcome into my head, um, but uh, I, you know, and and I think that the world is in, uh, or I, I am in service of my thoughts, and sometimes thoughts happen to me, right? Like if I mm-hmm. say, um, I was trying to do a callback to one of your jokes, or something about a purple dragon or something like that. Purple or, cow, uh, yeah, 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 purple cow, right? If I say purple cow. Uh, close your eyes and don't think about a purple cow. It's mm. impossible. Right? It's like that. That's, it comes into your, your head. And and is that you or is that something from the subconscious? And you, you get to see these little flashes of mental projections. And and that's kind of what the whole um, what philia the book is. And then I think what this uh, short film is kind of touching at so is more of this um, sort of uh, investigation into you know yourself. Well, speaking of like an investigation into self, where does the idea of suicide play into that for you? Yeah, I think that when uh, I think if you ask anybody about when they when they turn to philosophy books or when they turn to uh, spiritual guidance or, or any of those books, that the thought comes across their head, not in a um, not in a way that's that, you, you know, not usually in a way that you want that to, you want to, you know, commit suicide. But I think that it's like, if, when you really investigate, what is the meaning? What, why, why am I here? What's the, what's the purpose of life? It can't just be to pro, you know, to prolong life. What, what is the real reason I'm here? Um, and it took me, you know, uh, it, to some dark places, uh, when I was in New Zealand by myself, when I was writing this, uh, book that, I, you know, I, I finally realized that my purpose in life was to make myself useful for other people. And that whenever I was doing that, I was, I was happy and I was content. Mm. And, um, you know, 
I think when when people say they're on a you know some sort of existential trip or uh, existential journey, it's because they've been uh, they they've kind of exhausted a few ways of living, you know, and uh, and you know took them to their bitter end, and you know looking for an alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the at least of, in my experience, I should say I shouldn't make broad strokes. No, you, that's a, yeah, you're good. I, I, yeah, like a bit of like a bit of desperation being your your motivator to finally take that moment to to really look inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's you know kind of the um, the thing with the antique shop and and um, you know touching the window and all that. And it's um, I I it, I was living in New York actually when I wrote this uh, screenplay, and I I remember doing this exact same thing like outside of an antique shop and um, and and seeing myself. Uh, in the reflection and the shallow reflection while deep inside was the, you know, the pristinely fragile, you know, consciousness or, you know, the, 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 the good parts of the mind, right. Where the mind is in service of me rather than, uh, the master of me, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, and, yeah. and, and even on a simple, like, metaphorical level, the idea of seeing your reflection in, in the window of an antique store, the idea of, like, almost literally reflecting on the past and using that as a way to interpret where you are right now. I, I, that's a little more of a simple metaphor there, but I yeah. think it works. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So that's that was the idea. What, what about the title, Philio? Where does that come from? Yeah, it's one of the C.S. Lewis's four loves. It's the friendship love. Um, and I think uh, when I was writing the book, I was trying to become friends with my um, myself. Uh, this has turned into like uh, uh, <laughs> like uh, you guys are my psychologist now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> welcome to script uh, <laughs> shop. We poke at your soul. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're you sent go. us the script, man. We're Come working to with... Cincinnati. Let's get drinks. <laughs> <laughs> We're working yeah. with the cards you dealt us here, and this, truly, uh, there's so much. Truly. There's so much you. We're just in not this. being an idiot about your writing yeah. at all. No, no, that, that's uh, yeah. And so, and that's kind of the where the title was. I thought it was a really cool way of, um, and sort of a pretty word for um, in uh, friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the idea, like, because I was, I thought it was maybe connected to the idea of you know philia being the suffix on fondness for a certain thing. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a there's multiple. My definition or the way I was using it was in the C.S. Uh, Lewis's Four Loves. Okay. And, um, I think it's uh, I forgot what they are now. It's like e- eros is the romantic love, right? Um, and yeah, and there, there, there's yeah, obviously three others. And Philia was one of the. It was the friendship kind of of it. And you know, so so much of this script, I feel like, is about like not only reflection and exploration of you know the self or whatever you want to frame it, but like. Also, it, by the time you're getting to the end of just the, this is a you know a very short beginning of this story. I feel like it's ending on a note of positive, like self actualization. The handcuffs fall off, the, the the table goes flying away, and in the moment of this Bart character really getting into the meat and potatoes of what his reflection and his thoughts are, that's when he achieves this like this this self actualization. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, and and I think. Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's kind of exactly what I was going for. And, um, you know, I think like when you really think about the two scenes, right, like where where is Bart actually, you know, and there's obviously there's a sort of a 
um, you know, a fantasy element to the doctor, you know, in the deposition room and all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is, um, what I was really trying to do is just trying to show somebody that was in the present moment again and how, uh, that self-actualization and, or enlightenment, whatever yeah. uh, you want to call it, uh, they, they last, uh, for various amounts of time. I don't think anybody stands in a, a permanent state of enlightenment. I think we, we all kind of float on a continuum of, uh, in and out of, you know, um, self-actualization or, um, uh, in, in enlightenment or in the present moment and all of that, um, especially when you've done your, you know, homework and, and you've read all the spiritual books or self-help books that have helped you get there and, um, realize that now th- this is the moment that you have, you know, the only moment to remember the past or plan for the future is now. And, uh, that was kind of a, a way to end it on a note that, uh, puts people, gives the power back to the people. I, I want to jump in with a question about your personal life. Um, sure. which is, you know, you, you seem like you've made time to consider the spiritual and emotional ramifications of lots of different thought processes. And I just want to know, I just want to know if you've always been this way, like as a kid, were you considering these types of things in in the ways that you could, or did you, were your parents like you are now? Have you always been somebody who's considering this bigger, larger picture here? Uh, good question. Um, you know, I, I would say yes and no. A large part of my identity when I was a kid was that I was going to be an NBA basketball player. And uh, it I turns out I was the shortest kid in school and, and I still played basketball. I was really good at it, but I was uh, so I didn't break like five feet until I was a senior in high school. But yes, the, um, <laughs> so in first grade, though, I remember uh, I walking in line with my class. And then all of a sudden, um, my parents' relationship at that time was not not well. Uh, so I think that probably attributed to the, <laughs> uh, in, you know, investigation uh, and, and uh, into myself. And I stopped at the door and I, I had this, I, 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 was, I started shaking. So I was really scared. I was like, what, who am I? Am I these hands? Am I these eyes? Am I the, am I the nose that smells things? Wow. What, who am I? And that's, I really started to separate who I was, uh, from my, you know, um, physical, my, self. my body. Yeah. Yeah. My physical cool. self. Yeah. Oh, so, man. I, so I've, I've always had that and I, I've always used writing and, uh, all of that to express things like this. And, and, and I find that I'm most successful with my writing projects where I'm completely myself and completely emptying out all of uh, that stuff and then, and then trying to shape it in a way that's like, uh, you know, digestible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, a, it's a universal, it's a universal thing. We are all human. You're, you know, you're delving into that and whether you take that and apply it to very basic stories or very complex stories, it, it's, it's showing up for you, which is awesome. Thank you. I don't want to focus too much on the fact that this is the beginning of the novel because this is we want to talk about this as a script. But in terms of the story that this is the beginning of, because this does end on what I what we said was you know, we feel like is such a like a positive you know epiphany of a note. How does the story go on from here in terms of 
like conflict or I mean, is it even like a traditional tale in any way or like how does how do, this feels like an ending more than a beginning, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 um, so I guess it, it is more of, uh, I should, I should go back and correct myself then because it is, it is the beginning, but also I've added elements of the ending because, okay. uh, uh, you know, trying to end it in the five pages. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, so it's a, it's a mixture of both the, you know, the kind of the, um, the ending and the beginning. Um, and I think to answer your question about the ending, I think that, all of my stories, I try to end with a sense of irony where there's, it's both both positive and negatively charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think that's but but it, but I think you go away leaving f- feeling OK, you know, and it doesn't have to be a Frank uh, Copra ending or a ha- very Hollywood happy ending mm-hmm. and all that. It can be a, a real ending and uh, leave with, you know, a, a little bit of hope, you know, and. And that's kind of um, I, I, that's why I find myself actually. This isn't probably a r- direct representation of my my movies, but uh, I I write in the um, feel good genre. I would say um, with edge, I, w- I would like to add that little bit. <laughs> if I can. Well, if somebody's uh, interested in reading any of your other work or getting in touch with you about this specifically, and yeah. maybe your canon of writing that you have available, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, this is uh, my my English mum, is what I call her. Um, my agent, uh, Linda Langton, um, with Langton's International Agency in uh, New York. Uh, she's been a great agent for me for the last uh, four years now. Okay, is, is there any like a uh, Twitter handle or Instagram that you want to throw out there to people? I don't have either of those. No, I uh, I smart. I just write. I, I, smart. I do have. <laughs> Facebook because I'm, I'm, you know, uh, uh, I'm one of those uh, that, you know, that got it right in 2006 when it first came out, but Mm -hmm. I don't have the other ones. Okay. Otherwise, I would just be uh, sucked into um, everybody's stories and uh, wouldn't be able to work on mine. (laughs) That's fair enough. Speaking of your story, so this is still, the novel is still a work in progress. And then is there a thought of maybe expanding the the screenplay adaptation into some kind of production or is it maybe like a one step at a time kind of thing? Yeah, you know, uh, um, both of those questions are, are good questions. The uh, the book is, um, <laughs> it's been a work in progress for a really long time. Um, I think uh, I really am going to buckle down. Um, they think, you know, obviously you guys know that a novel is like people read that in screenplays. People don't read screenplays. And the audience is not meant to read a screenplay. Right. So you don't. Yep. But every single word I I. I, I, uh, you know, I really, really concentrate hard on making sure there's not a misplaced word in the flow and the poetry of the prose that I'm trying to create. Um, so that that's that. And then uh, this, you know, I, yeah, I would love to make this at some point. Um, it's a, I, I, uh, I wrote it in a way that I could uh, shoot it with a limited budget and, and be fine. And, um, and it'd be it served more of a, like a commercial for um, the book. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I hope to eventually go into production with that at some point. Well, we can't wait to see it and, yeah. and I'm looking forward to the book as well. Yeah. No kidding. That's uh, give oh. your, give your English mom a plug one more time in case people want to get in touch. Sure. Yeah. It's uh Linda Langton at Langton's international, uh, agency in New York city. Perfect. Great. 
Nick, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to a to send us your work and then coming on with us and getting into something. I mean, sending us work that's incredibly personal and with yeah. a ton of thought put into yeah. it, and then you know taking the time to speak Talk about the it. work in real time mm-hmm. with two other people. That's that, I can, thank you for being so open. Yeah, well, no problem. Thank you. I'm honored to be a part of the show, and uh, I hope it wasn't too uh, you know psycho babbly uh, for you guys. I'm I'm cool with it. I, don't I think like so. it. No, yeah, I is, like it. I mean, we we oh. read the script, and you know, I think we sort of knew maybe what we'd be getting into a little bit before the interview <laughs> began. And this was I, I I it was nice to to chew on a different part of my brain. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, good. All right. Uh, well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Nick, for your time. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, there's I, Nick. I do like that. When you think something's like kind of straightforward and then you talk to someone and they're like, actually, I was considering all the different corners of the universe. And you go, oh, yeah. OK, let me turn directions and let me do that, too. That's a fun place to be in. It's like falling asleep. Yeah. You know? I think the concept of him having this dream that affected him so profoundly. Mm-hmm. And then when he was explaining the the idea of trying to communicate what it was like into spoken real regular it didn't wor- it didn't live in that it doesn't work but then the effect but it, like he said it was so intoxicating in that feeling of trying to communicate that feeling and then taking those feelings and trying to apply words to them and tell this story yeah that, I mean, that that's that's a that's a tremendous challenge i think that's amazing that he took that on yeah and i'm and you know and the fact that it's also a novel as well right and that you know hearing him say i'm very focused on the poetry of this of mm-hmm. the rhythm it's more than just words it's more than just writing it's putting the spirituality of your art behind it of your mm-hmm. spirit behind it of just really working through piece by piece by piece what it is what it means what it feels like yeah. really all those things, absolutely. That's that, that. That's very cool, folks. If you if you've been inspired by this at all, or if you've got a thing that you have been working on that's involved your own level of spirituality or poetry or anything like that, and you've written it into a screenplay, we would love to read it. We'd love it. And you can you can send it to us by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And don't forget, you can look us up online, Script Shop Show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We do kind of silly things on all of those platforms, and they're really, really, really. It's it's nice for us when you say something because we like to talk about it and usually it's me monitoring the accounts and i'll send oh yeah nice I both, words we both to check the, jack jack does the twitter at least for hardcore. the twitter like i love being able to see oh we got to mention and then see <laughs> who was talking about us. Yeah. That's, always, that's still a thrill so look us up it's fun for us we love talking with you and on twitter you can find me personally at your bestie westy and i'm at script shop jack also, real quick, there was uh, some discussion of suicide during today's interview. Uh, always feel obligated to say, please, if, if you are thinking about such a thing, you not by yourself. Reach out to someone and call the 24-hour National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if nothing else, 800-273-8255, please. Um, so we can't wait to talk about next week's script with you. To all of our friends out there, that's a wrap. Yep. Well, okay. let's do that again. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And tell a friend. We would love that. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, listening to us. And until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.